720 WGN. Thank you, Vivian. It's 811. It's part of Andrea Chicago now. All right. It is, we're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, one of my favorite holidays of the year. Um, although maybe not for some because they have to work it and cover the parades. But we have uh, in studio Luke McKee and members of the Stockyard Kilty Band. Luke, I introduced you first because I know you and we're friends. So I hope that's okay. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. Okay, good. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves and uh, tell everyone what you each play, what instrument you play, and then we'll ask you a little bit about the band and uh, talk about you guys. Use guys, as they say. All right, why don't we start over here? Uh, you know, my name is Jim Butler. I've been with the Stockyard Kill Band for about 18 years, and uh, I play the bagpipes. Okay. Hi, my name is Tracy Cavanaugh. Uh, I've been with the Stockyard Kilty Band for about eight years, and... I play the bagpipes. Okay. Luke? Uh, I've been playing for about 32 years. Play the bagpipes, of course. And now we got to mention your family. This is a family affair. Yes. Uh, our dad you? played since 1950, I believe. And they wrote a big article about him. Okay, this was when he was 85 years old. Boy, this is a fascinating story. This was in 2013. Um, what, how, did your dad get you guys into, into playing bagpipes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or was this your grandpa? Okay. Yeah, it was my dad. Your dad. And your brother's here, too? Yes. The other, right. the other McKee. So Matt McKee, uh, I've been in the band, oh boy, about thirty-five years. Um, weirdly, I have the same dad as Luke. Uh-huh. So, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy it's huh? how that works. Yeah. <laughs> Are there other McKees in the band? We have two brothers. Uh, Dave's the oldest. He's the lead drummer. Okay. And then Danny is a bass drummer. Okay. And then a couple third generation. Yeah. So we got uh, Marty McKee on drums, and Maura McKee, my daughter, on pipes. Very cool. And a few more Luke's kids and my kids taking lessons, so we keep uh, keep it going. All right, I'm going to ask you how young you guys all were when you started. One more. Sorry. Uh, I'm Dan <laughs> O'Brien. Uh, I play drums with the Stack Your Guilty Band, and uh, I've been in the band about 20, 22 years. Wow. So is this like a Supreme Court? Once you're in the band, you're in for life? That's the law. Basically? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how old were you all when you started playing? I know you're going 35 years, so you guys started when uh, you obviously were two like years two, old. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> how, who's, the, who's the youngest, who started at the youngest age playing? Well, I, I started playing with the band when I was 11. Okay. So, actually, my daughter taught me because I think she was 10. But, uh, yeah, so in this crew here, yeah, I'm probably the youngest. Do you have to be Irish to be in the band? No. no. You can okay. be Irish Croatian as well. Okay. <laughs> right. As long as you can play. Right. Is there a, is there a, a, any sort of a hazing thing that goes on? <laughs> Not you can't talk to me. Okay. I knew, I knew I was, was going to get yeah. that. No, but I, what's, what's really cool, and, and you're going to hear the, uh, the Chicago Stockyard, the Stockyard Kilty Band play in just a little bit. You play all the parades. Yeah. Yes. And this is fun. Yeah. You guys enjoy this? Most of the time, yeah. All depending right. on weather, usually. Yeah. Is that whether whether does that affect how you play? Yes. Yeah. Well, does yeah. it? Okay. It could affect I mean, the, I know the sound of the pipes. When... Fi- you know, your fingers get cold. Oh, so, so if your fingers are cold, you can't play as well. Okay. Sometimes the reeds freeze up when it's too cold. Mm-hmm. Or they get wet. Okay. Stick. How long does it take to learn how to play pipes? It, it all depends. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the person. It's kind of a lifetime really? for some. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they all looking at you? Why do they dog you about this? Because yeah. I'm still learning. It takes, you know, when we get a student, it's about, if they put the time in, it's like a year to get them on the pipes and playing, if, if they put the effort in. And that's pr- what's, is that like practicing every day, yeah, every yeah, couple days? Yeah, decently amount, and, uh, you know, five, six days a week. And then... It's something you keep getting, you know, you keep developing through your whole life. That's what I mean by that. It take, it take, yeah. you keep getting better. It's, it's like anything. So, but to get you on the pipes from 
chanter to learn the first note. It's it's a good year. This is your busy season, though. Obviously, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. What's that like for everybody? It's kind of the Super Bowl of the Kilty Band, it's right? The, it's the, your chance to kind of be a rock star. It's kind of uh-huh. it's pretty cool, uh, especially when you go into places and everybody wants to talk to you and say hi or take a photo with you or hear you play. Like it's really a fun time. Like to to be in a bagpipe band, and uh, I think everybody here can agree to that. Yeah. But, how often do people say, "Oh, can I try? Can I can I hold it? Can, can I play?" Too often. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Especially after a few cocktails at yeah. the Southside Irish Parade. Yeah. Are you guys? Are you all Southside, or is there any Northsiders here too? We are Southside. Southside. All blessed to be Southsiders. No, I am too. So it's okay. I grew up at Ninety First and Pulaski. Bingo. So, yeah. although some will argue that that's more South Suburbs than Southside, Oakland. I would never say that on the air. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. The margin for error allows it. <laughs> All right, tell me a little bit a little bit more about about the band. Now, this is your family has kind of gotten you into this. Yes, but the band was founded in uh, 1921. Okay. Oh wow. So it was uh, Scottish War veterans that founded it. It was originally the British Legion Pipe Band, mm-hmm. and it was changed to the Sackers in 26. Uh, Am I right there? Yeah, or uh, actually 20. Yeah. Wait, is it 1926? Oh the band became yeah. affiliated with the Stackard American Legion Post. What doesn't it make you? Doesn't it make you proud? I mean, to be a part of of history. Oh, yeah. One of the yeah. longest and, and oldest playing pipe bands in the country. It's one of the oldest in the country. Definitely yeah. oldest in Illinois. Yeah. That's very cool. We're going to hear you guys play in just a little bit. The Stockyard Kilty Band will take a quick break and come back and hear the band play some Irish music for us after this on 720 WGN. All right. 820-720 WGN. We are going to hear from the Chicago Stockyard Kilty Band. It wouldn't be St. Patrick's Day in Chicago without the Kilty Band. They're going to be playing in both parades on uh, Saturday, the Chicago Parade and the Southside Irish Parade on Sunday. So without further ado, here is the Chicago Stockyard Kilty Band. <laughs>
Very nice. You are listening to the beautiful sounds of the Chicago Stockyard Kilty Band in studio. Luke, come on back over here. We're going to put you back on the spot. <laughs> come on back over, back over here, McKee Brothers. What's it like? I mean, when you guys are playing, you can just, you could tell you're having a lot of fun. This has got to be, as I said, it's your Super Bowl. What's it like playing together for all these years? It's a, it's a oh, family. It's a yeah, it is. It's a second family. And I know not to mention my brothers in it, but well, I know, yeah. and it's so it, it's so much fun to. <laughs> that's the first thing, yeah. It's so much fun to watch you guys give each other. You all look alike. You look so much alike. Good looking crew. Oh, I'm telling you, it's like a GQ convention when I walk in. <laughs> that's you the know. first thing people notice. Uh, I know you guys wanted to thank a few people too. Is there anyone else that you want to thank before you uh, play again for us? Well, I got to thank Maggie. Yeah, of course. Right? I should probably She's thank the inspiration. my wife too. Yeah, you should thank Julie, your wife yeah. and your family and your kids and everything, right. and they're all listening. When you, uh, I know you said the what? Yeah, go ahead. So let's throw go. a shout out to, to our mom, right? She's by listening, Kitty McKee, because tonight we're here, but Tuesday night we teach pipes at our at her house still for like forty some years, and so there's people at her house that are sitting there that we teach every Tuesday, and they're all listening tonight, and she puts up with us every every Tuesday night. You teach at her this poor woman's house every week. She's, She's a saint. Lady. Yes. Well, does she cook too? <laughs> she puts snacks out. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, every year for how many years have you been doing this? You've been teaching pipes at her house? Since 1975. Oh my God. Oh, so like <laughs> 10, 10 to 15 years before I was born. That's you know? fantastic. Yeah. Right, well, when our dad died, she said she still wanted us to keep it up. Oh, she did? Oh, yeah. You, for real, she did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she specifically said she She should have been the first person you thanked. No offense to Maggie, of course, but... (laughs) I thought of it, Mom. (laughs) There you go, Kitty. Shout out to Kitty McKee and uh, the Stockyard Kilty Band. She should be very proud of uh, her sons and for passing this beautiful tradition on for generations to come. So let's hear one more time from... Well, actually, two more. Can you do two more? Of course. Okay, so we'll hear from the Stockyard Kilty Band, take a little break, and come back and play one more song in honor of St. Patrick's Day festivities coming up in Chicago. Again, the uh, parade is Saturday at noon, and the uh, Southside Irish Parade is also at noon on Sunday. Here we go, Stockyard Kilty Band. La 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 
720 WGN. David Jennings, thank you so much. Sorry I was a little bit late. Adam Phillips, thank you so much for spinning the dials. And Vivian Lanou, our new producer, we love you. Thank you so much for being here. You're not off the hook. We're still going to talk to you this hour this hour or next hour. Can't wait. Can't we wait. are going to find out about our new wonderful Greek producer, Vivian. But I'm so excited to have in studio. David was giving the temperatures. And what did you say the temp might be tomorrow, David? Did you say 60? Yes, I did. Oh, I love you. Is, this, is it okay if I... Air kiss you through the microphone. <laughs> That's quite okay. It's the perfect time to talk about the 2019 Millennium Park summer season. So we are so excited to have in studio, as I mentioned, Aaron Harkey and Carlos Tortolero. We've met before. Thank you for being back. You taught dance last time we were here, right? Yeah, summer dancer. I think you were teaching David Miranda, or you guys were salsaing the last uh, time. It was, yeah, a little bit of a salsa instruction impromptu. Yeah. <laughs> Want to do it again? Uh, maybe no. not right now. <laughs> maybe when it gets a little bit warmer. But uh, I thought it's the perfect time to talk about everything summer in Chicago, especially with some of the events that are going to be starting next month. So welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Where should we start? I know there's so much to talk. It's the 15th summer season. We're going to feature the Year of Chicago Theater. We did a piece for TV on the Year of Chicago Theater. Um, I know there's the uh, Latin, uh, the Latin Arts and Culture. Grant Park Music Festival has its 85th season coming up. So where should we start? There's a lot to talk about tonight. Um, I guess we can start at the beginning, which is um, the kickoff to our festival season in Millennium Park with the um, House Music Conference yes. and Festival, which is always a big a favorite. It's hu- It's gotten bigger and bigger, bigger every and year. Bigger. So it's uh, May 23rd through May 25th, and we actually have like a music conference that is sort of the prelude to the festival in the park. So if you are a musician or you're into sort of the culture and business of house music, that's the event for you, and that's um, starting on May 23rd at the Cultural Center. And then we have this sort of kickoff to the party um, in uh, J. Pritzker Pavilion at Millennium Park starting on Friday, uh, May 24th, with a live house music band. Yeah. So it'll be really fun. And then an all-day sort of festival on Saturday, the 25th, from 2 to 9. Does it surprise either of you how these festivals just continue to grow and grow? And I know they start out, you know, at the Cultural Center or uh, in in Grand Park, but then they move to Millennium Park and they move to bigger venues. Does it surprise you how much our city embraces its culture and its music? Um, It doesn't surprise. I mean, it's like really unique to Chicago, I think, the fact that there are so many free open events that are open to the public um, that people can participate in and you don't need a ticket. You can just show up and we like to do a nice mix of um, programs downtown and Millennium Park and Grant Park, but also, you know, getting out in partnership um, with other presenting organizations to do things in the neighborhoods. It used to be the Gospel Fest was the kickoff, but now, as you mentioned, the House Music Festival Mm -hmm. is kind of the kickoff. And I've seen that grow and grow every year yeah it's a big festival the gospel um, music festival follows up the next weekend which is may uh, 31st to uh, june 1st in the park and the full spring the full schedule will not be announced tonight (laughs) we're still still working on it (laughs) can you give us a a little preview of maybe one of the one of the i know and what's cool about this too is some of the acts come back every year which is nice. Yeah, you and know, a you lot see of someone, Chicago representation, yeah, too. There's yeah. a lot of Chicago representation, which I think makes it unique yeah. as well. Um, well, obviously, we're also highlighting Chicago styles, so it's only natural that a lot of the artistry is homegrown, based here in the city of Chicago. 
So there's always an opportunity to bring back some of the better known artists. Yeah. I feel like um, they just, I think it was um, one of the celebrations for Halloween. It was the Lantern Festival. And they said, oh, we'll, we'll give it a try this year. And it just was so big, it kept coming back. And I felt the same with the dance the last time you were here, Carlos. Because I remember when I lived in the South Loop, we'd walk up. And there was a couple of people for the first day, and then the second, and then the third day. And then by the time the next year came around, you can't find a spot on the dance floor because it just gets so big. I mean, Summer Dance has been going on for so long and it has such a built-in audience that whenever we, add, whenever we add anything new to this series or any of our festivals and programs, it's always an opportunity to grow the festival, grow our audience, and they appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, so we go from house to gospel, of course, to the Blues Fest. Mm, that's-, that's a favorite, too. Yeah, and it's our 36th annual Chicago Blues Fest. Uh, we've announced our headliners. Yay. We've got some Grammy winners and Charlie Musselwhite, uh, Bobby Rush, a lot of notable Blues Hall of Famers, including those two, as well as uh, Lattimore. Uh, we're celebrating 90 years of Jimmy Johnson. Oh, cool. One of the last of uh, an era. And uh, we've also got uh, Ruthie Foster, Billy Bo- B- uh, Billy Boy Arnold is mm-hmm. also a local Blues Hall of Famer who's going to be f- sitting in on that Charlie Musselwhite set. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, Ruthie Foster never played the Pritzker main stage before. She's coming back for a debut on that stage, as well as Lattimore, a career that spans five decades. He's seventy nine, yeah, and he's finally getting a main stage performance so we have a star-studded cast of blues performers and it's going to be a great weekend june 7th through the 9th i also find too whether it's the gospel fest or the blues fest or the house music fest that whatever wherever the performances might be in pritzker or uh in grand park on the uh and the and the in the patrillo music show wherever the the performers are that now they hit a lot of the smaller clubs too either during that weekend or after the venue Mm -hmm. and now more and more people are finding out and waiting in lines, whether it's Kingston Mines or wherever. It's at our local little blues clubs, too. So that's a huge shot in the arm for, for our clubs, too. Yeah. Buddy guys. We definitely try to cross-promote as much as we can because, you know, we like to think of the Blues Festival and the Jazz Festival and our major festivals as not just being about what's happening in Millennium Park, but really encouraging our clubs and our venues, which are producing and celebrating music all year round, really bring them into sort of the festival spirit. So encourage people to attend concerts you know before and after and just really you know making it a citywide uh, celebration what's your favorite i know it's like asking you to pick your favorite parent right or your favorite, favorite child festival? yeah That's well hard. for me is it's blues one? i mean is it blues uh, obviously i work it so i'm very tied to it it's like my baby right now but um you know with blues being such an iconic art form here in the city of chicago yeah you know, it's very easy to get passionate about the festival and the bookings and how much it means to the city. So, I'm so you little biased toward blues, Aaron? Do you have a favorite? I love them all. You know? Oh, that's such a that's such a safe answer. <laughs> I, I love them all. <laughs> Aaron's bosses. I hope you're all listening. She loves them all. <laughs> and all I I also heard, is it the 85th season for uh, the Grand Park Music Festival? Yes, that's 85 true. years yeah, we've been that. doing this. Mm-hmm. That's great. So what's going to be on tap for for what's going to make it extra, extra, extra special this year, June 12th through August 17th? Um, you know, it's always really special. I think a highlight for me um, is always the 4th of July celebration. So definitely look out for that. Um, but it's always a good time. And there's such great partners with the city. Um, they're going to bring a lot of really exciting um, 
new partnerships um, to the to the park this year. I have a friend born and raised in the South suburbs, then lived in the city for many years, um, got married and now lives in, in the South. Her husband's work took them down there. They come back every 4th of July just for the fireworks mm-hmm. and for the music. How cool is that? Yeah. Definitely something. Got a lot of hardcore yeah. fans here. Yeah, for sure. Too. We're talking to Aaron Harkey and Carlos Tortolero about the 2019 summer, Millennium Park summer season. We figured with David Jennings talking about 60-degree weather, it's perfect time to talk about the concert series and the concerts that are hitting Chicago this spring and summer in just a couple of weeks. We'll kick it all off with the House Music Festival, and there is much, much more. We'll tell you all about it after this on 720 WGN. <laughs> 850-720 WGN talking about the 2019 Millennium Park summer season with Aaron Harkey and Carlos Tortolero from the Department of Cultural Affairs and special events and I misspoke I thought the House Music Festival was the first big festival but Aaron quickly corrected me there's something going on this weekend yeah if you need a, a break from all of the parades yeah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, people don't know but we also do a lot of um, programs to help support artists in their sort of developing careers so we're hosting um, an A&R edition uh, for aspiring emerging gospel musicians at the West Point Missionary Baptist Church. Oh, wow. um, so they'll be competing in front of a panel of major independent music label executives for a chance to uh, win a recording deal and, most importantly, for a chance to perform at the Gospel Fest. So wow. it's a really cool, cool program. It's our very own voice. Exactly. This weekend. Do people have to pre-register for this, or can they just come? You can just come. It's, um, again, March 16th from uh, 6 to 9 p.m. at West Point Missionary Baptist Church, which is on College Grove. So you can still go to the city's parade, and And then then, at night from 6 to 9, get a recording deal. Why not? (laughs) not? (laughs) Um, And then the Jazz Fest, that's in August, and Mm -hmm. then the World Music Festival is in September, but I one of my favorites are the Millennium Park Summer film series i know they do um the films all over the city at all mm-hmm. the various park districts but the big big one is in millennium park yeah we do that on tuesdays it's uh, going to run june 4th from uh, august 20th and we're super excited this year because we're celebrating a special initiative called the year of chicago theater yes it's it's so cool and um, we're really focusing on encouraging every chicagoan to attend a, a theater performance this year so we've partnered with uh, 13 a theater company throughout the city um, and they've helped us curate um, the film selections this year so there are films that sort of like you know match their personality and style so like any uh, theater company from Chicago Shakespeare Theater to Black Ensemble Theater to Looking Glass to Goodman to Steppenwolf so the big ones and the smaller ones um, are participating with us so it's going to be fun and be nice to see something from their point of view. Theater is one of my favorite parts of this city whether Mm -hmm. it's the Broadway in Chicago the Nederlander the Orient well, the Oriental is now the Nederlander Theater, mm-hmm. the Cadillac Palace, all the way, as you were saying, Aaron, to the Steppenwolf, the Looking Glass, all these theaters, and the companies on the on the north side, on the west side, the south side, uh, neo-futurist, they are just wonderful theaters. You know your theater. I do, I do. I love it because, like I said, from big to small, you, you're you not going to see a bad performance in Chicago. Right. Yeah, um, theater in Chicago is really very unique, and there's over, I think, 300, you know, from big to small uh, producing theaters here, so we're really trying to shine a light on how special it is this year. And we mentioned theater. We can't fail to mention dance. So I know there's, as part of the Year of Chicago Theater, uh, the Millennium Park Theater Residencies will bring local theater companies to the park from July to October. So that'll be kind of nice as well. Okay, grab your dancing shoes for the summer dance celebration. I know this is your... uh 
This is your baby, too. Or this is one of your favorites. Yeah. I, After blues, of course. Definitely, definitely one yeah. of my favorites. Uh, yeah, the Summer Dance Celebration is a unique event that's now in its third year that uh, brings together all the various musical styles and dance styles that would be featured at Grand Park during yeah. the series. And it's a one-off, all-together, all-styles type of uh, event. And... You know, we have performing dance companies to um, local dance studios to ethnic dance studios participating. And it's a great event that sort of is a culminating finale to the Summer Dance Series, um, which kicks off in June and ends in August. I have, We're getting some texts and people are wondering if you're going to be doing the yoga again. I know it's yeah. is that part of the, the no, workout. We do, we do workouts. Okay. Um, and those, which is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to feel bad about either being, you know, not I, I'm not a big I, I'm not very good at yoga, but I would love to, to try it. And yeah. this is really the well, place to go know, to try it. Yeah, for sure. So we do um, workouts um, during the summer. So you can come. We do uh, yoga, Zumba. Um, we're going to add Tai Chi this year. Oh, nice. Um, and so you can come. You can bring your mat um, Saturday Saturday morning starting at 7. So you can come and And it's for class. all skill levels. Yeah. So you don't have to be an expert. It's for novices. So if you're a beginner and want to learn, it's a perfect sort of introduction to each. It's excellent. We're talking to Aaron Harkey and Carlos Tortolero from the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events about the summer season, which I shouldn't say summer because it's going to kick off this this weekend uh, with a chance for you to, gosh, you actually win a recording contract. So that's pretty cool. And a lot of the everything that we're mentioning is all family friendly. You can yeah. bring your kids. You can bring your families. That's that's half the and fun. And free. And free. What other city offers that? None. Don't answer. <laughs> Fam- What's the Family Fun Festival? I see that's coming up in June. Um, yeah, the Family Fun Festival, it's a, a partnership with the Millennium Park Foundation and After School Matters. Um, so it happens in uh, one of our tents at Millennium Park. So you can come and uh, bring your families. And they're actually, you know, special designed events that are especially designed for families and for kids. Um, so if you're happening to the park, you can, um, with your families, you'll have something to sort of engage the kids as they're yeah. looking around at the all the stuff to look at. I love that. And speaking of stuff to look at, we cannot fail to mentioned the lori garden yeah it's beautiful it really is um and we actually spend we have you know people um on staff with the millennium park that are like actually like horticulturalists and you know dedicated to yeah um, like docents yeah 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 um are dedicated to you know like cultivating and helping to like guide people's experiences through the garden which is just you know beautiful passive and you know relaxing to be in the space which is um unique and designed especially you know for millennium park but but um, they're definitely on hand to we do workshops and um, kids' activities in there, too. So um, there's definitely something to engage in if you're into that sort of thing, too. Well, we cannot wait for it to begin. What else do people need to know? Where can they find out more information? And what should we really drive home? Yeah, um, you can check out um, to get a full schedule of events, which will be posted in the upcoming weeks on uh, the Millennium Park uh, website, millenniumpark.org. Thank you both for coming in. Appreciate it. All right, next time, Carlos, is gonna, we're going we're gonna to dance next time you come in studio. <laughs> I'll have to bring my colleague, John, too. Okay, good. We'll do, are we in, Aaron? I, I'm definitely in. Okay, good. Answer. Very good. Aaron Harkey, Carlos Tortolera, thank you so much for being here. We're getting ready for spring and summer for the Millennium Park summer season. We'll have more after this on 720 WGN.
It's coming up at 9 o'clock. It's Andrea Chicago. I'll be with you until 10 o'clock. After the news, we are going to talk to Ken Krimstein, who is, uh, there is, there's a new opening. Speaking of exhibitions and plays and whatnot, the three escapes of Hannah Arndt, inspired by Chicago-based cartoonist Ken Krimstein's acclaimed graphic biography, opens at the Spurtis Center. We'll be talking to Ken right after the news. Then we're going to talk with the folks from the Dawson and continuing our St. Patrick's Day pre-festivities. And we're going to learn all about Vivian Lanoue. She's like, wait, what? What? Vivian's our new producer. Welcome to the program. Um, and we'll be talking with her after the news. I'm balmy now thinking about that. 907-720-WGN. I'm Andrea Darlis with you until 10 o'clock. Patty Vasquez takes over at 10. Then Nick DiGiulio will take you through the overnight hours. I am so excited to have in studio a Chicago-based cartoonist, Ken Krimstein. We are all invited to attend the exhibition opening of The Three Escapes of Hannah Arndt. It is Thursday, March 14th at the Spurtist Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership. It's at 610 South Michigan Avenue. Uh, it, it, this is, I'm, I'm so beyond thrilled because I'm flipping through your book here. And tell us a little bit, first of all, tell us who Hannah Arndt is. Well, Hello. Uh, Hannah, Thank you for being here. Yeah, Hannah Arendt uh, was a uh, German uh, philosopher, political thinker, who mm-hmm. uh, left Germany, uh, had to escape. I'm not going to give away all the endings. Uh, no. Ended up um, coming up with some very, very big political theories that a lot of people may have heard of, but maybe didn't know that much about things like the origins of totalitarianism, uh, famous phrase, the banality of evil, mm-hmm. and things like that, and had to flee uh, the Nazis and had to do a lot of this sort of stuff. Ended up, interestingly, in America uh, in the 40s and spent quite a bit of time in Chicago, which was w- another thing that interested me at, at the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, passed away in 1975 and, you know, had such a fascinating and interesting life and way of thinking um, that I... Now I know too much about her, and I only knew a little bit about her at first. She was a political thinker and a, and a woman who lived an extraordinary life. How did you decide that you were going to document this and, and draw and detail the story? You know, it, it almost decided itself for me. I, I opened the biography, and I felt like this was my, uh, my missing link of my uh, DNA. I mean, every single thing that happened in her life, when I found out how when she was a, a little girl... Um, what she, how she coped with things, and then when she went to uh, Germany as a teen and university and the people that she hung out with, I just every page that I turned as I learned about her became more and more two things, questioning and inspired. And I just I had to put it into pictures. Han has been called one of the key political thinkers of the 20th century. Why is that? Well, she helped people look at a lot of the very terrible things that happened. Uh, She was a German Jew, um, not a particularly observant one at first, didn't even know that she was Jewish until uh, she was about seven years old, and someone yelled some things at her, and she went home, and I have the scene in the book, and asks her mom, you know, what what does it mean to be a Jew? What is Jew? It's early on in the book. Yeah, and the the mom says, it's a religion, Mm -hmm. you know, like Lutheran, and she says, well, we don't go to a Jewthran church. I kind of (sighs) made that part up, but she didn't know and then she deals with she has an incredible mind she reads a lot and when and 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 she wants to understand everything and she's a woman at a time when being a woman and an intellectual and a philosopher you know maybe still isn't that great but in those times 
was really, really tough, and she just had this tenacity, and she stared everything straight on and thought it out and thought it out, and her, her life was always to try and figure out what is going on. So she made a lot of very important discoveries or analysis of how totalitarianism happens, how, how important it is for there to be a free press, and how important it is for people to be equal with each other in the public space and how important it is to have private space and she she not only thought about it but she lived it and um, actually one of the things that drove me to the book was a huge question because as I was reading the biographies you know you know you get questions mm -hmm. and I'm trying to put this into pictures she renounces philosophy she's a brilliant philosopher and at some point uh, she's asked in an interview um, how do you feel uh, as a woman philosopher in the world of philosophers? And she says, well, I, I don't consider myself a philosopher. And I thought, why would someone who's kind of at the top of their game renounce it, renounce it you know, and that drove me deeper into it. And I think it's because she, be she believed a lot in action. We have to act in the world. Act, act, act. Don't just sit there and think. Don't contemplate. Mm -hmm. You are what you do and you are what you show. Do you find it ironic, or I guess poetic maybe would be the way to phrase it, that this was her craft and this was what she was doing, then you're writing about it, and we're, we're dealing with a lot of the same themes in 2019 today? Um, ironic. As far as tolerance yeah, no, I know. and acceptance. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's evergreen. I mean, it's part of what she called in one of her great books, The Human Condition, um, we need to learn how to live with a lot of different people in the world, in a world where we're, we live kind of between the past and the future, and we don't really know what the future is going to hold. So we have to figure out how to hang together. And she had a lot of thoughts about that. You know, one of the things that was, yes, I mean, ironic, I mean, to a certain extent, her and her great friend, Walter Benjamin, who was a great inspiration for her, felt that we have to look at history um, not as progress, but as an ongoing uh, presentness. Mm -hmm. it is, it's true. History is made every day. It, it's made every second. And we have within our hands, I think, what she was saying, the possibility of the next minute, of the next hour, and how we work together. She, she was a very future-oriented... I was just going to say, she was very forward-thinking. <laughs> forward-thinking in many ways. Yes. Yeah, she believed that... Um, Life happens, you know, from birth. The, the act of birth, or what she called natality, is the main force in, in life, that we can make new things. And as a person who's a creative person and a writer and a, an artist, uh, you know, my life is about making new things. So, and I'm a storyteller. She believed in, in storytelling. You know, my task was, how do you put this into pictures and right. make it not 5,000 pages? And by the way, I took, I took this on as an artist and as a writer, not as a philosopher, but as opposed to, you know, I have a college degree and I tried to read very well, but I tried to, instead of starting with the ideas and going to her, I started with her life and mm -hmm. figuring out wh why did the thinking uh, result from that life? It's 228 pages. It, it's, so, it's so beautifully put together. It, it does appear to be a hardbound comic book, but yet there's, there's writing. Do you do the pictures first, or do you write first? And I'm sure you get asked that often. Um, both at the same time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I actually, uh, I'm thinking about the pictures, trying to figure out 
what is going to illustrate it. So I'm looking for incidents that can be drawn, but I'm re- working on the writing. I mean, I, uh, this in this effort, I really spent almost a year and a half just writing it to try and figure out how to make it dramatic that mm-hmm. people may want to read it because it's a his- it's a history, it's a biography, but it has to have a dramatic pull to it. You know, yeah, I do, and I, I love I, Hannah. Of course, is the star. It's Hannah Arendt, but I like the side. The everybody, you know, from the man in the train to just the, you know the man with the piercing stare with the pipe. Uh, do you do you model the the other characters after people in your own life, or is it just people that you see, or did they come to you um, just in your mind? You know, I a lot of the people with the pipe. You know, there that person. I think who you're referring to might be her second husband. So I look at a lot of Heinrich Blucher. Uh-huh. Who, I think that's but what it is I, too. But I had to, you know, since I'm doing something that is in a, a comic or graphic form, uh-huh. there have to be little tricks so you know who the the person is. So he's oh, right. always kind of has a pipe. I okay. saw a lot of pictures with him. Uh, you will never, he does, yeah. You will sort of never see him without a pipe because he has to be And sometimes he's not even lit. <laughs> well, yeah. And and um, my dad used to smoke a pipe. I think that's why I, I think that's what kind of drew yeah, me. Yeah, and my and my dad did too. Yeah. So, but um, you'll notice with Hannah. So I have one color, green, and, and it's green, and and that was very interesting. And I did it intuitively, although there was some evidence that I read. You know, I'm I read and read and read when I'm doing this that she was called kind of the woman in green, and she favored green. So I had one color to use. So I thought, why not use green? And it was cool, and uh, subsequently a lot of artists have said to me, why did you use green? Green is such a hard color to use. And I didn't really know it at the time, but um, it, the exhibition, um, they painted the walls all green, and, it, and, and green kind of works for her in a lot of ways. So then I thought, oh, well, she's all about, you know, natality and spring, which will hopefully be coming soon here, right. and green and birth. And then somebody said, yeah, that's right, in plants, but what's the color uh green in flash it's kind of mortality so it kind of defines her middle place in the world so it was one of those things that i could have never like intended but Mm -hmm. it just sort of worked out and i think the fact that the exhibition designer at spurtis uh tracy uh Went crazy with green. You know, she Good. went green I, crazy yeah. there. I yeah. can't wait to see it. We're yeah. talking to uh, Ken Crimstein about the three escapes of Hannah Arendt, and it's going to be the exhibition opening at the Spurta Center on Michigan Avenue on Thursday. We'll continue our conversation with Ken after this on 720 WGN. When it comes to the weather, we all want to know what did Skilling say? Watch for updated forecasts from Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling, weeknights on WGN-TV. 921 on 720 WGN. We're talking to Ken Crimstein, who wrote The Three Escapes of Hannah Arendt, and the uh, his work is going to be on a uh, exhibited. Um, I say exhibited because it's never been in this particular form before. I know people know who you are. You've been interviewed all over town. You're from Chicago. You're one of our very <laughs> own, but your work is going to be on display at the Spurtis Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership at 610 South Michigan Avenue, and it's this Thursday, March 14th. The reception's at 530. The program begins at 630. You can get tickets. Tickets and find more information at Spertus, S-P-E-R-T-U-S dot E-D-U. And Ken, you're from Chicago. You yeah. left us briefly, but you're back now. Yes, sir. You grew I up in Deerfield? I grew, in Deer, grew up in Deerfield. I live in Evanston, and I teach uh, DePaul in a couple of locations. I love Chicago. Uh, it's a great environment for people that do what I do. Um, yeah. Chicago is actually a kind of a very important center of people that do what 
we call comics or graphic novels. I mean, from Chris Ware to Dan Klaus to um, uh, Emil Ferris. I mean, there's so many people doing so much tremendous work in town. I feel very lucky to be here. Um, and do that. Uh, I wanted to, you mentioned the show. Yeah, no, I've never yeah, had a show. it's never been like this before, well, like no, you're going to see it on Thursday. No, and, you know, I have had my work in some smaller shows. I'm, you know, working, uh, doing some cartoons for The New Yorker. I've had shows of New Yorker cartoons and stuff like that in New York. This is really very different. And when Spurtison, you know, we talked about it, it's like walking through the book, sort of. I mean, um, they've, they've kind of helped me break it into three sort of thematic uh, areas. There'll be some giant, they've blown these cartoons up. So you're used to holding the book in your hand and right. looking at it small. Now you're actually going to be kind of being like an Alice in Wonderland walking through the book. They're, they're like big, giant storyboards. Giant storyboards yeah. of, of the frames. And then some of the original drawings. So you can see a little bit of the process because, you know, it isn't just like you sit there and draw it and put it on a page. And um, they've broken it down to kind of the development of her thought, her thinking, because she, you know she was a very, very difficult, pugnacious character, and I don't think if she w- if she wasn't, she wouldn't be interesting, you know. So she relatable. I think there's a lot of historical instances in the book that people can relate to. Yeah, she um, always was looking, you know, what do you got? What do you, you know, questioning? You know, she she took the outsider point of view and you know prove it. And she she the other thing that was fascinating about her though, I mean, I think you know, although I don't love this term, uh, she was a bit of a rock star in that she was always at the at the best table and the best place with the best people hanging out having the best conversations i don't care if it was you know in the 1930s with people like peter laurie or maybe albert einstein mark chagall a big uh, character sure. here in, in in chicago these were important people and then in the 40s in the late 30s you know with um you know the the impressionist max aronson and the other people trying to flee uh uh, France, and then in New York with all of the very heavy uh, New York thinkers and the Partisan Review and stuff like that, and then Chicago, people like Saul Bellow and all those. She's always at the table, and very often, maybe her and Mary McCarthy and a couple, not many women. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, you know, so this this again makes it an, her an interesting character for me to try and figure out what's driving her. She died in 1975. What do you think she would say about? today about chicago today specifically with regard to we're about to have the first female african-american mayor in the city what do you think she would say about chicago today i I think she would be well i mean there's a lot of issues in chicago i think she would be absolutely thrilled that um uh, an african-american woman since it's such a large part of the population in the city is getting that kind of recognition and that kind of voice because she feels that all voices need to be heard in the public space and listen to each other. And, you know, that's a huge part of the people that make up the city. So I think she would be delighted about that. I think she would be, you know, she liked to always have the outsider point of view and because she tried to separate the private from the public and she lived through a very tough time where the walls that separated you from tyranny weren't very, very strong, and constitutions were like houses of cards. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of, you know, she went, she ran toward fires, she ran into fires, and she didn't always solve them, but she did a darn good job. Um, she she stared reality in the face, and she was an example of what uh, somebody 
a professor at the University of Chicago recently wrote a book called Tough Women. She was a tough, yeah. she was an unsentimental person. and uh, But that's I, okay. I loved it. I that's mean, okay. It, I mean, she she brought so much to the party in terms of her, her strength and her clarity and a freshness of vision. You know, one of the things is I was doing all the research. I, I went through and I looked at a lot of books, I mean, of, you know, you know, I, I look at the most basic things like college textbooks from the 60s and 70s to see how they reported her. Yes. She wasn't in them. Really? A lot of them. On purpose or they just didn't know who she was? She just didn't. She just wasn't. They didn't have enough pages, I guess. Right. I don't know. And it, and, it, mm-hmm. and then I started reading into it. And of course, you know, I'm I'm joking about that. I mean, she belonged there. Yeah. And I think a lot, you know, so she was such a. I called her, um, you know, like a, a virulent truth teller, and that's where this tyranny of truth comes in the subtitle. She, she felt you had to face reality, and she felt you had to, to speak it, each of us to one another in the public arena. She was very taken with uh, kind of, you know, original Greek uh, Athens-type democracy mm-hmm. and Jeffersonian mm-hmm. democracy, and people just getting around and, and figuring it out. I call it kind of the mess of the ongoing present. I think you've definitely done her justice. Uh, you're a brilliant writer. You're a brilliant cartoonist. Who inspires you? Um, besides my wife? Uh <laughs> Um, she's rolling her eyes. She's 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 sitting next to you, but she's pulled her chair so far from the microphone. There's no way. <laughs> no, um, I'm inspired by. Um, there are so many incredible uh, people doing great work in the comics arena right now. I mean, I started out as I always wanted to get into the New Yorker magazine as a gag cartoonist, as one of those single panel uh, cartoonists, yeah. and it took me. I think I got there really quickly. It took me about twelve years. Oh, yeah, that you was you know fast. that was fast. And but then I always read comic books. I um, when Mouse came out by Art Spiegelman, that made a huge impression on me. Uh, books like Fun Home, uh, Persepolis. Um, so you know, and and then I go back even to this obscure kind of semi you know uh, respectable uh, comic thing that I inherited from my great uncle called Classics Illustrated, which did nonfiction often, mm-hmm. and so I was inspired by them, and I I also you know I read widely. I love biographies. Mm-hmm. I love uh, history. I'm very curious about people and wha- how their life makes them create what they create. You know, recently I've been thinking about it, and I kind of forgot about this. And this is a, an author that maybe some people in your audience may know about, but she's kind of off the radar. Barbara Tuckman, okay, who sure. wrote who wrote history in such a lively way. And I think you know one of the things that's really wonderful about being able to combine words and pictures, which is something that I did when I was working in design and advertising and something that I've done when I did the gags is it's an equation. I was never very good at math, but it's one plus one equals three. When you put the words and the picture together, it's larger than the sum of the parts. Right. So I've been very interested to, sh- to use that picture and word to bring, to translate these ideas in a way that are human to people because you know, call me crazy, but I think philosophy is supposed to be something that we can use, you know, in our lives. I agree. So I'm a translator. It's a lot of hard work on my part, but I figure if I can teach myself yep. in pictures, maybe I can teach 
not teach, but get her into the conversation. I, and I'm glad you do, and I'm glad we are talking about her. It's Hannah Arendt, The Three Escapes, have a Hannah Arendt, A Tyranny of, of Truth, Ken Crimstein. It's so nice to meet you, and oh. I can't wait to see you on Thursday. Uh, please get out and see uh, this exhibition, this wonderful exhibition, at the Spurtist Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership, 610 South Michigan Avenue, on Thursday, March 14th. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Pleasure. We'll see you on Thursday, 720 WGN. WGN. I'm Andrea Darlis with you till 10 o'clock. Then Patty Vasquez takes over. I have to say a huge thank you to my new producer, Vivian Lanou. Thank you so much, Vivian, for all your help tonight. You're awesome. You're great. And uh, we couldn't indoctrinate you into the show without having some food and cocktails. And we are getting ready for the Super Bowl here in Chicago. St. Patrick's Day weekend coming up. Are you excited? Oh, I'm psyched. I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched too. We went. Uh, we said we want to have some St. Patrick's Day food. We want to talk to the best of the best. So that's why we went right to the Gage. And Ann Lawless is the owner, the matriarch, as uh, Chef Chris calls her, Chef Chris uh, uh, Garonsky. Yes, that's correct. Thank you so much for being in studio tonight. Thank you. Thank tell you us, much. tell us a little bit about this. is a big, big weekend. You're also the owners of the Gage, a Beacon Tavern, and the Dawson. But we're talking Gage tonight. Tell us how this is such a big weekend for you, St. Patrick's Day festivities. Well, Ann, would you like to take it away, or would you like me to kind of go through what we do at uh, at the Gage? You start with the food. <laughs> you start with <laughs> We're right, going to get to Ann and her background, and she's from Ireland, so <laughs> we have the matriarch truly with us tonight. All right. Well, basically, down at the Gage, it's, uh, it's a party all weekend long. Uh, there's a reason why Chicago is known as one of the best destinations for St. Patrick's weekend. We uh, see it firsthand. At the gauge, we do over a thousand people a day. I was going to say six hundred people travel from all around the area for the annual St. Patrick's Day festivities, and that's just the first day. And then the next day, you have a thousand, and then and then a thousand, and then it continues. So basically, we just run this party through the entire weekend. Uh, at, at count right now, we have uh, seven hundred pounds of corned beef cured and uh, cooked off, and we will go through all of that by Sunday evening. Oh, uh, I love so it. So that's I know that sounds like an exorbitant amount and uh, almost too much. To think of but uh, that's 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 what we do at the gauge i love corned beef and where in ireland are you from um i'm from galway ireland the from, west coast ah, from galway All and when did you come galway. here we came here 20 years ago and uh, we opened a little irish bar up in wrigleyville called the irish oak Oh, I remember and the Irish Oak. 11 years ago, the gauge opened. I bartended, I guess bartended at the Irish Oak. You would have guest bartending for charity. Right. Or you, well, you can keep the tips, but you're supposed to give them to charity, which I think <laughs> we did, Chef, right. I promise you. Well, that for was sure. our first one, but our, our big... Golden, golden, golden key is the gauge. Is the gauge? Yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's yeah. the it's the place and, you should go for St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. And that's all due to my son Billy, his wife Catherine, and of course the staff, Chef Chris. Everybody yeah. that works there gives it their all. Do you and it see makes such a difference? Being from Ireland, do you see how big? St. Patrick's Day is for Chicagoans. I, I, there were, my, my mom has friends from Florida. They're coming up for the weekend. I have friends from Champaign yes, who are going to yes. be here. Do you, do you see that too? I see that here. I can't believe how huge it is. I really can't believe how huge St. Patrick's Day is here. It's gotten big in Ireland, but nothing like here. I was going to say, what's it like yeah. in Ireland? Uh, right now we get an awful lot of Americans going over. Really? American bands, all that. But nothing like here as two or three days of a celebration you know you're going to be one day at home you're going to go through 700 pounds of corned beef before it's all said and done at least maybe a thousand pounds is that (laughs) in ireland do they is it corned beef and cabbage as well 
In uh, Ireland, it would be bacon and cabbage. Oh, it's bacon and cabbage. It's bacon yes. and cabbage, yeah. Yes. Yeah, actually, Anne was yes. schooling me on all these interesting yes. things. That, that, no that kidding. Certain things yes. that we do here that they that we change over almost for the American palate. What right. are, What are some of the others? In the addition? other, the reason for the corned beef, and I'm open for correction on this, but is <laughs> that beef you could get here, and at the time you couldn't get our fat bacon, which would be like pork belly. Okay, sure, sure. So they pickled the beef and made the corned beef, and that's where the corned beef really started out here, was with the Irish that came out that couldn't get the bacon. So it is huge here, the corned beef and cabbage. What yeah. is the secret to making the corned beef not only so delicious but so tender? Slow time. and low. Oh, time. <laughs> exactly. Slow and low. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the Basically, secret. Just taking up every single oven every single day for hours upon hours at a time. It takes about, I mean, we're not talking even about the corning process, the curing process. We're talking about the cook process. It takes, oh God, at least four hours. At least. For just one. No brisket. kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and does, this have, does this have a rub as well, or is it the seasonings go on after? Uh, no, basically the seasonings are are in there. It's brined for a few days, and then and then afterwards we will put like a little bit of mustard and some horseradishes and things like that on there. But it's all basically been... Uh, pickled. Well, pickled. It's yeah. pickled, Technically yeah. Technically, it's, yeah, it's mm. pickled. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was exactly... That's right. Um, uh, they couldn't get good quality... A pork belly or pork rashers, uh, anything that that really quality Irish bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they uh, when a lot of That's people immigrated years ago. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. This is we're talking. That's where it started. I lo- and I and there's something too to the the cooking of the Irish potatoes as well. And is that just a slow? Because they're very buttery. It's you know, called, I know it's butter. It is butter. That's <laughs> it. Is that the secret? That's Thank right. you, it's Chef good, Chris. It's just good Irish butter. <laughs> That's right. It's just Irish butter. And then I always love the Irish breakfast too, whether uh, yes. it's the the porridge um, or the beans. I mean, oh yeah, that makes it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and that's the, we have that all weekend. First, they sure. do a good um, Irish breakfast in the gauge. Yeah. The oh, bacon and sausage and egg and tomato and. Mushrooms, beans, <laughs> all of it. Now, is this how you eat on a regular day? No. 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 What's a regular day for you, Anne? Um, the Wheaties? We would do, no. we would, we would do um, the Irish breakfast always on a Sunday okay. in Ireland. And on a Saturday evening, yeah. you would have, it was called a fry-up, you would have your Irish breakfast on a Saturday evening. But um, outside that, you wouldn't have that big fry-up every morning. Mainly, you would have porridge. Okay. And Which boi- is so good. That I mean, that's like oatmeal times 25 to me. Oh, yeah. And you put some syrup on it. And boiled eggs. And boiled eggs. Boiled eggs. And then you'd run off to school. No kidding. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of what, when we dye the river green? I mean, we have, we have so much fun. We just really embraced St. Patrick's Day here. That's amazing. Do you like that? That's I think amazing. that's so neat when and we do that. And it's amazing. I think it was found out by mistake that had turned green yes it was supposed to what was it supposed to be something else and then was it, it was veg they, they was do it, it with vegetable dial yeah well, i think they wanted to do it orange said, oh, this is great <laughs> is it okay <laughs> to wear orange on st patrick's day of course okay yeah, good yeah orange but green with it not orange on its own okay so orange green and white mm-hmm. that's okay because mm-hmm. i actually one year I, w- I had a green raincoat on and i wore an orange scarf and someone said no don't wear orange and i said i'm trying to do the irish flag yeah that's yeah that's okay but not orange all right, we're talking with uh, Ann Lawless, the owner and the matriarch of The Gage, and Chef Chris Garonsky. Uh, we're going to have much more coming up with these guys after this on 720, and we're going to talk cocktails as well. 720 WGN. Talking all things St. Patrick's Day with Ann Lawless, the owner of The Gage, and Chef Chris Garonsky. 
also from the gauge talking about well food and irish culture and i'm learning so much from you and how we do things okay here in in chicago it's okay with and from ireland originally you and your family came over so we do things the right way you sure do we have to go to the gauge though that's correct. And sample some of the food. Chef Chris, tell us about some of the food that you brought into, in addition to the corned beef and cabbage uh, that you have at the gauge, some of the food that we're going to be uh, sampling and you're going to be serving all weekend long. Certainly. So basically, I brought in the corned beef and cabbage. Obviously, we're, uh, we we went over that. We're selling yep. a lot of that. Uh, but I brought over some staples, uh, some things that we do at the gauge. So not necessarily uh, Irish focus, but some things that we're known for. Okay. Uh, we brought some venison burgers. We brought the scotch egg. I know. Oh, no. What's Irish. the scotch egg? So the scotch egg, uh, we, it's our rendition on scotch egg. Scotch egg is basically an egg either hard boiled soft boiled or otherwise okay uh that is uh mixed with uh, surrounded by a sausage in this case we make our own fennel sausage okay and it's breaded and fried served with a nice spicy mustard oh uh yes and this, no, and this is the non-calorie version oh yes, yes. of course yes. of course no perfectly healthy and for you healthy. and we also put the additive of a duck egg in there which uh it uh, from what i understand with Anne is a uh acquired taste i i love the richness of uh, duck eggs and i i guess uh is that an acquired your taste <laughs> it is. It's, it's much stronger than a hen egg but um i don't think i've had a hen egg so i don't know what egg, I could, oh that's standard just chicken, chicken egg. Yeah. okay that's your regular chicken, chicken egg, egg. Yeah. so stronger in taste it's or smell stronger in taste okay yeah. um you get that hard boiled egg smell though oh no 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 okay, not the sulfury good. smell you basically get like a very it's rich it's oh, very rich it's very, very buttery rich. Yeah. Oh, the, very the, nice. the yolks on a duck egg are almost like the, the more orange than you could think the sun could ever be in a in a oh, crayon nice. really, you know, so. do you cook with, is there a lot of butter in, in when you when you're cooking uh well gosh it depends i mean when i first started yeah yeah. Tons of butter. Tons sure. of butter all over. But now everything. you have to be EVOO. Do you have to be healthier? Can you well, I think taste? it's 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 almost um I guess it's more of an ethical thing for everyone. It's like <laughs> you know, when I was when I was in my twenties I could eat a pound of butter sit, uh, sitting and, and not think about and it. And not think about it. Yeah, now I eat now a pound you have to of butter. And, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, my heart is pumping out of my chest. So I think it's more actually with age that I'm becoming more quote unquote ethical with my cooking. <laughs> just because I can't eat it anymore. I know, I know. We have to be, eat healthier and live, live longer. Yeah, exactly. Right? What's the exactly. secret to a long, healthy life? Stress-free. There you go. And you've had and none of it, right? eat what you like. Hey, tell me, like you, were, you were telling me off the air, I know that we mentioned that the Irish Oak was the first bar that you and your husband mm-hmm. opened in Chicago, but everything there, the bar, the The whole thing oak, came from Ireland. It was built in Ireland and was wow. shipped out in three containers. So the only American thing in the Irish Oak were the actual taps that the beers came out of. No kidding. Mm. It was all, all legit from Ireland. Everything. Yeah. Tell me, I know this is one thing we do wrong in America, green beer. Is that right? You don't really have It's to. not that you, that's wrong, but we, beer drinkers and our good beer drinkers wouldn't enjoy green beer. They wouldn't uh, dilute it, or no, they wouldn't they would add any sort of coloring it to it. It authentic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, green beer wouldn't be a big hit in Ireland. Okay. With the older generation, the younger generation, maybe I don't know. I'm not there anymore. Okay. Like, so maybe the younger generation. But the Guinness, that. obviously, the Guinness is. Oh, Guinness is huge. All right, Guinness and tell me huge. about Jameson. And uh, there's there's all kinds of Irish whiskeys. Oh, yeah. Out there as well. What's the the right way to drink the Irish whiskey? You you gave me a glass, and this is neat, right? No. Uh, no, we actually gave you a, a nice. Oh, there's a nice. Neat is, is no ice. Neat is no ice. Just uh, right. pure as and the sun. And this is rocks. Is that what it is? Yeah, rocks. Okay. Well, what would you I say? have to learn the terminology here. We would say, uh, out here it's on the rocks. Yeah. Well, what would on you the say rocks. And I would just say with ice. With well, ice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's a As whole lot As you should. Easier. And you gave me one of the coolest ice cubes I've ever seen. 
Oh, I know, they're so fancy. Sphere. Aren't they nice? They're so fancy. You have yours in there, too. I do. You know, in Greek, you know, because, you know, Andrea and, and I are, are we're both, both Greek. Greek. You know, we say stini yasas. Yasas. Oh. Yeah. We say yasas, yeah. which is cheers. And in Ireland, we say? Slantia. Slantia. Mm. It's, but it's spelled like S-L-A-I-N-T-E, correct? That's right. So it's slantia. Slantia. All right, so what should we what should we toast to on this St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> is there a... Loyal Aporic. What is it? Loyal Aporic. Loyal Aporic. And what is St. Patrick's Day in Irish. That's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. And I, I also, um, I got a card the other day that I love the Irish blessing, the May the Road Rise Up to Meet You. Mm-hmm. You have to say that on St. Patrick's Day too, right? You have to say that. But my favorite Irish one is... Which one? This is my. I know the one about the road. May the rose, the road, yeah, rise, rise up, up to meet you. you. And may you be uh, in heaven an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Yes. Uh, but my favorite one is um, may your roof never fall in, and may those beneath it never fall out. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that, that is so perfect. Sweet. Say it one more time for everybody. May your roof never fall in, and may those underneath it never fall out. Slancha. Slancha. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Again, The Gage, it's Ann Lawless and Chef Chris. And where can we get information and make reservations to get to either The Gage, The Dawson, Beacon Tavern, but specifically The Gage this St. Patrick's Day? GageChicago.com, or you can call us uh, at The Gage. Uh, we have the upstairs, downstairs open all day. With most of our people that are coming in are walking in off the street. We welcome all. It's a Big huge party. We have the fiddling, fiddling fin, uh, Finnegans. Yes, fiddling Finnegans. Is that Saturday or Sunday? That is Saturday and Sunday. Good. And we also have a bagpiper playing all day, so it's a party. Piper. Excellent. So get on out there. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Sancha, and happy St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. More after this. Patty Vasquez up next on WGN.